and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 490. Man, it is coming up quick. We really, we really got to talk to the people we need to talk to about 500. <laughs> oh man. Um, but in the meantime, we're we're doing so many exciting things on the lead up to episode 500. Like tonight, what are we talking about? Well, I was just gonna say, but unfortunately, tonight ain't one of them. Out of contractual obligations, as in me being here, we're going to be doing this world's finest arc that Chad suckered me into, uh, <laughs> otherwise known as this year's version of Last Ride, which in retrospect, I probably should have said veto. Veto, I say. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, we are that, that is what we are doing. You know, nobody said once you started reading, you couldn't be like, you know what? Actually, no. <laughs> Well, except I, we, except I didn't have the in, the issues until this week. So, right. Uh, so I, it would have been a. It would have been a really quick. It's too late for Swamp Thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, but the rea- <laughs> but the reality is, uh, we're, we're, we're yeah. So. All right. Um, yeah, I think this might be. First of all, you we're, we're, we're you don't have to get into specifics, but do you like it less than or equal to Last Ride? It's funny you mention that because the real I I did I did think about since it's a natural analogy between these two arcs, I would have to say generally speak. Last Ride had a lot of stupid things in it, things that didn't make a lot of sense. But there were at least there were some cool moments in Last Ride that, and the overall story was not uninteresting, other than the fact it was working or revolving around Lobo. I would say I like this less than Last Ride uh, overall. Plus, what happens in the Hal issue? There's some one thing in particular so glaringly stupid that it's kind of hard to overlook even the stuff. It makes the stuff on Last Ride look all logical and well thought out. So. Well, folks at home, Mark and I have different opinions on this. I, I actually like this series, but we'll get into why later. All right. So before I recap issue four, without you having to go page by page, what happened in one through three? If you think I'm doing that, no, <laughs> this is you. I'm here, I know. I'm I'm here, here, I, I know, know you're being I funny. I'm here for the I was ride. hoping I could rope you into it. I could just listen to you try and push your way through it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm here for the ride. I'm, I'm I'm here I'm here to get into segment two. That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so basically, it, it doesn't really matter who attacks Metropolis, but somebody attacks Metropolis, and it's a team up of of different villains. Uh, they attack Batman and Robin are both there. Superman is also there. Superman gets infected with red kryptonite uh and i guess we've kind of settled on the idea that red kryptonite 
uh, Red Kryptonite's canonical effect, at least in this series, is that it it's it's the version of Red Kryptonite that causes physical mutations to Superman at random intervals. Um, they they save Superman uh, and his his body, but it's all tied into the devil. How do you say it? Neza? Niza? Whatever. Probably Neza, I'm going to guess. Uh, which is a, a DC character from from a, a while back. We don't really talk too much about him, uh, or he's if we do, he's been focused in issues that I'm not a part of. Um, it's the whole you know warlord uh, back in the past. You know, he had a whole empire. He lost his son. He gave up his empire in an attempt to find the resources and or magic and or power, whatever it took to bring his son back. Uh, he exhausted it all um, and uh, was finally gifted this knowledge in his old age. He brought his son back only for his son to kill him uh, because he was angry at his father for wasting all of his, uh, all of his power and influence and all this stuff. So he spent the, uh, he, you know, because he was brought back to life, he has some measure of immortality and magical power and so on and so forth. So he spends the rest of his decades building up this power and influence. Uh, meanwhile, um, Robin and Supergirl, who are a part of this, go back to the past to try and figure out how to stop the Devil Neza because a group of heroes way back when uh, did so uh, by locking him away. Uh, and I think that's probably good enough to get us to issue four, huh? That was, that was it. That was for all three issues. <laughs> really, man. I, I, and, that, and that was me. And that was me walking out to take a leak. I was so thrilled. No, I don't know. Uh, there were some decent, objectively speaking, there were some decent moments in the first three issues, but it, I don't know. The, the, it started out. Okay. With the red kryptonite. I was, I was okay with the, with the whole red kryptonite thing. They kind of, they seemingly resolved that seemingly awfully quick. And then, I don't know. <laughs> this this had the Doom Patrol in it, right? <laughs> yes, it did, which I thought was kind of cool because you know, and, and and we, I, you and I talked about this a little bit while while we were, um, uh, you know, while I was kind of getting your live reaction. It always happens; it never fails. When Mark has to read something, he'll at least send me one a one sentence reactionary sort of thing uh makes sense though because you don't want to get all your reactions out in the messenger and then have to recap yourself in the episode so that makes sense but yeah um i i told you i honestly i was able to stomach the problems that i could have with this by just going this is totally an homage to the silver age i mean we're doing different colored kryptonites here we're doing the buddy buddy superman and batman and you know during the light of day we're we've, we're involving the doom patrol we've got various villains trying to occupy the time of certain people we've got you know power stones and things like that there's even a panel of superman flying through the air while holding batman from the shoulders <laughs> like it's it's a very silver agey story i believe uh, and that's how I was able to sort of handle it all. But I, th- I think obviously you had a different reaction. So, Chad, you're ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it has been overdue for a long time. It, I don't know. It objectively again, I don't. I don't really hate this. I did. I didn't like it. I, the first two issues were okay. I think it really lost me in three with the whole fake going to hell with Faust thing. I don't know. It just wasn't. 
it wasn't interesting to, um, to me and to me to be honest because doom patrol means nothing to me that that kind of lost me right in the beginning that the, the doom patrol being so heavily involved at least in the beginning of the story this arc did no, did nothing for me so yeah so i mean uh I, the the heroes are being occupied and i'm not talking superman and batman i'm talking flash is being occupied by uh mirror master um and uh, wonder woman is being uh, occupied by dr alchemy um and it's all part of uh, the demon Neza's plan or the devil Neza's plan. Green Lantern then shows up at the end and cages both. Uh, and by that, I mean Hal Jordan cages both uh, Superman and Batman uh, in a construct cage. Batman's basically asking, like, Neza's been imprisoned for millennia. He only just got out. How the hell does he know who all these villains and heroes are to tap them as resources? And he's trying to get a hold of... Um, get a hold of Alfred to check the computer, the computer computers and access the, the server. And it's like everything Alfred says, everything seems to be fine. And Neza is there in the back cave influencing, uh, influencing uh, Alfred. But here on this panel in issue three, where Hal shows up, this is, this is exactly the moment I know it is definitely <laughs> a silver age story. Look at the costume they put Hal in <laughs> with, with the, cause, cause modern, modern Hal's, First of all, his symbol is a whole lot more intricate now than than that. <laughs> and uh, the shoulders are fully black as opposed to the green kind of spilling over. And he's got the white gloves and everything back, which uh, Hal's costume hasn't changed much. I think we can agree on. So I think maybe people could go, oh, it's could be an artistic mistake. Uh, I know Dan Mora, not personally, obviously, but I love Dan Mora's artwork. Dan Mora doesn't make those mistakes. This was intentional. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more of an old school costume. So that that is a that's a good catch. Um, but the the reason I thought we should cover this is because uh, it, you know, we don't get a whole lot of Green Lantern anymore, obviously. But there was in the solicits, we saw this, and you know, kind of the little solicit text was like, oh, we're gonna get evil Hal Jordan yet again. So people were talking about this, so and anticipating, okay, what's this going to be? So we pick up um, where we left off, and Hal is uh, going up against Batman and Superman and says, I always knew I could take you two. Um, they uh, break out of the cage, but uh, one of the constructs managed to, I guess, cut Superman's knee. Uh, Batman says, I don't understand Lantern's ring is primarily about energy con- constructs. The only way it could be affecting Superman this easily is if it were augmented. Um, so obviously something has changed. Uh, it is magic is involved, and Neza shows up to back up Green Lantern. Uh, Green Lantern takes on Superman in a construct mech suit while Batman is uh, occupied with Neza. Uh, he knows how you know the world is in need of discipline. He's going to be the one to rule it. Your typical bad guy stuff. Um, and, uh, Hal is about to chop (laughs) Superman to bits with a construct axe, but Batman uses, uh, I I forget what, oh yeah, it's right there on the page. It's uh, Dr. Alchemy's philosophy, philosopher's stone and converts oxygen into chromium, uh, somehow and blocks it with this, with this shield. Uh, the the construct with the shield. Meanwhile, back in the past in China, 
Robin and Supergirl have uh, have heard the story of how these heroes of the past basically battled for several days to corral Neza into this prison. They don't really tell them exactly how they were able to do it, but basically, uh, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here in the story. Uh, the way you do it is the the prison only locks from the inside, so somebody had to. One of one of their former teammates had to be trapped inside with Neza, uh, and they lost him. Meanwhile, back through the when Supergirl and Robin go flying back through the time stream, a time storm shows up, and Supergirl loses Robin into the time stream. Uh, cutting back to, I believe it was Central City, while um, they're going up against Hal. Uh, Batman realizes that willpower, it's what controls Lantern's ring, even from a short distance. His willpower is the strongest on Earth. And uh, Superman asks, but how much do you think it's it's compromising a consciousness under someone else's control? And Batman says, it's still more powerful than yours or mine, but maybe not yours and mine. So focus your will on his ring. One thought between us, they rip the ring off of Hal using their combined willpower. And then a firestorm matrix-like effect happens, and the two men are com- are combined into one body. And uh, Hal is knocked out, back to wearing his dog tags and his fighter, j- fighter jacket on the floor. Uh, and Neza brings the rest of his uh, corrupted heroes to his aid, including Black Canary, Martian Manhunter, Red Tornado, Firestorm himself, Donna Troy... And Wally West uh, to attack this combined being, uh, and honestly, <laughs> this this new uh, composite Superman, I guess we'll have to call him in, in sort of a way, tears them all a new one pretty easily. It feels like uh, small resistance here and there while he gets the he they get used to their power. Um, but all the while there's a, there's an energy countdown because obviously the ring is what caused this and, and their combined willpower. Uh, but it's a lantern fusion level at 9%. And then the countdown is slowly going while they take like Neza to space and then they split apart. Uh, meanwhile, super, this is when Supergirl shows back up. Um, they start trying to corral him to uh, a prison and, um, and Supergirl reveals to everybody, including the Doom Patrol, that um, he can be sealed away, but only from the inside. And then the next issue is supposed to be, quote unquote, the sacrifice. So Hal was involved and that was cool. But I think the main here, main thing here is this, uh, you know, random one off power we've never heard of, of Lantern Fusion. <laughs> so Hal Jordan was shooting energy at us. <laughs> You, me, Dan, and Jim, if we concentrated our will enough, enough people concentrated their will enough, you can pull the ring off the green, of a Green Lantern's finger. I know they try to give you the out because he's compromised. He's, but that was stupid. Really stupid. I agree with you. If you're, if you're, if you're drinking the Silver Age Kool-Aid enough to like excuse all these illogical things and the way things look and, and how, I don't know. I, that was just so that was such a I agree with you. It's a it's one of the, it's a dumb thing that would not seem as dumb back in the Silver Age when like, hey, let's hand out Green Lantern rings to everybody. But I don't know. That was that was really that was really, really, really dumb in my mind. That just didn't really make a lot of sense. It's like 
Yes, I, I 100% buy into it's a Silver Age uh, thing. It's written by Mark Wade, so no surprise. Um, but uh, I absolutely like. Uh, look, it, it was not the uh, so it it was it was the solicit for issue four's cover that got me going. I should read this. But what me what got me very excited and catching up in in the prep for issue four was that it was Dan Mora's art. Dan Mora does a series over at Boom Studios called Once in Future. And I love that series so much that I have their sort of deluxe edition, specialized, limited run hardcover. I love that book. It's a, like an Arthurian lore sort of thing. Um, it's it's lots of magic and uh, it's it's just awesome. I love Dan Moore's artwork, so I was very excited to see this. And then you couple it with the fact that it's Mark Wade. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I've read Mark Wade before. Who hasn't? So, like, uh, let's let's see how it goes. And then other people were talking it up who did enjoy the Silver Age aspects. And I already mentioned some of them, but even some more mentioned here. The fact that the fact that Supergirl just picks up Robin and flies to the future or flies to the past, you know, flies through the time stream, and then she loses Robin in a in a time quake sort of thing. That's also very Silver Agey stuff. Um, like getting knocked out of the time stream and things like that. So that, that was cool. Um, so I, I, I be, do I like the lantern fusion thing or even what you mentioned them pulling the ring off of them? No, but because I'm already excusing all these other things, it's hard for me to harp in on this one specific thing because I'm a lantern fan and go, okay, but that really shouldn't work when I'm really just like along for the ride for all the rest of it. I can understand that. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it. Yeah. But like I said, you, you are maybe more naturally inclined to buy into the structure of a story like this than I would be. So it makes sense that also you would be willing to not get, not view it as lantern centric as I would to that. So any problems on that front stand out, even if there's equal problems literally across every front, the ones with the lantern are going to bother me more because I have no vested interest in this story. So for you, you have more of have more of an interest in the story and the type of story that it is. So if you're able to, in your mind, I suppose, if I understand you correctly, <laughs> you're, you're able to over, since you're overlooking all the other problems, it'd be, it wouldn't be right to just zero in on the lantern problems in particular and say, aha, this was, these were the ones that made, that drove me insane and, and made me change my mind. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought, you know, it was, it was, you know, to me, it, it's okay. And the stuff they did with, I mean, was it kind of cool to see Hal beating the hell out of both those guys in the beginning? Yeah, it was kind of cool. But the reality is that it, I didn't find it over, I don't find, I don't find the story overly compelling. And a lot of the things in the story, even the first three issues, there were some head scratching things or things that, I didn't necessarily really like or care about. So then you get to the Green Lantern issue and it just kind of gets magnified. So it's like the opposite, opposite view on this one. You were, you were more open-minded is definitely part of it, but you're, but you, you're, it's more up your alley for the kind of stories that you would be willing to just in general say, Oh, well, I'll, I'll roll the dice on this. Or it kind of goes with the palette of things that I like. And for me, it's like, well, I don't dislike Silver Age stories. Lord knows we've, we've done a bunch of them, and they're and they're usually fun when we review them in in context. But for me, at least it did it did really 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 
I think issue two, if I remember, the sad part is I just read these like in the last two days and, and I still can't, and it's still kind of hazy at this point. What, 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 where are things going off the rails? But I know I wasn't thrilled with the first issue, but I think the second issue is what, towards the end of the second issue is what really, I started losing complete interest in this. And what specifically? I don't, that's the part, that's the, that's the sad yeah. part. I don't actually even remember what part of the, what part in particular turned me off. Just the just, patrol showing up, maybe? Well, that was, they had so they had such a heavy role in this, yes. But I mean, I think that was part of it. But it's just, I think it was the cumulative effect. I think, but once we got to the first two issues, it became clear to me that this, I didn't really care what was happening in the story, and you know, so the villains, you know, the villains they were using, you know, the poison ivy thing in the beginning, I thought was kind of, I that didn't do much for me either, and the way they were, the way they were all interacting, and even the Superman being corrupted, and oh, we see. Oh, he's corrupted and he's seeing people as, you know, his, as his villains, you know, when they're not and they're his friend, that's been done to death before, not just with Superman, but with other heroes. But even with Superman, it's, it, it, it's been done in various shapes, ways, shapes and forms before. It just it, lo- it lost me in the first two issues. Three, I honestly, I think I, I think I kind of skipped a lot through three because especially once they resolved, they made sure that you realize hell wasn't really hell. But. Yeah, by the time we got to the issue with Green Lantern, and there wasn't much interest left. And then with some of the stuff they did in the issue related to Green Lantern, it just kind of, I was like, well, yeah. So, oh, I well, gotcha. yeah, I so mean, I don't hate it. I don't really, I, I don't hate it, but I do think even, I, yeah, Last Ride, as much as I don't think Last Ride is a very cohesive or logical story with a lot of plot holes you could drive trucks through, it was a more enjoyable read, even if it kind of completely went off the rails with, in the last we know it was cut down too and that was part of it but even though it went off the rails a lot in the final issue pointing out its own flaws which was never it's never a good move that at least there were things along the way that were interesting and it made you wonder what was going on and for me anyway none of that was absent in the story yeah i mean like like you said I'm, i'm able to swallow it a whole lot more because it's it's intended to be you know what it is um yeah, I, I can easily separate it from any sort of continuity. I can understand that it's in its own little world and it's not supposed to do anything and it's supposed to be homaging a whole era. I understand that tone. Honestly, when, when you remove something from current continuity like this and then I can just judge it on its own merits. And some of the problems I would have with this would be if I was interpreting it in a modern sense, but that's not the way it was. It's, it's intended to ape the silver age. So I'm excusing some even more things for that. And eventually you just get to a point where, you know what? I'm really enjoying the art. I don't necessarily have a problem with anything outside of what is being done. Silver agey. Um, so I was down with it. Do you, do you want to know how it ends? Cause I didn't make Mark read, read the last few issues. It's an ongoing series guys. So I didn't, I didn't read him, make him read at least the uh, resolution of the Neza, the Neza storyline. Sure. Chad, how does it end? So they carry uh, Neza and unconscious into the tomb and uh, the name of the team from the past, the warriors of G they gave her a uh, Supergirl an enchanted talisman to seal the tomb. Uh, but she reveals that, you know, obviously the last issue, it has to be done from the inside and Supergirl wants to do it, but nobody, you know, the whole heroic, nobody will find another way sort of thing. They all get into a fight. Once Neza regains consciousness uh, kind of takes over Superman in a way very briefly. 
once they kind of, once they get um, Superman kind of back on track, uh, he realizes something and then heads off from the fight, leaving the Doom Patrol, Supergirl, and Batman to take on Neza. And meanwhile, so we see where uh, Kal-El goes, which is the Fortress of Solitude. So when we show see him show back up, he has, surprise, surprise, the Phantom Zone gun. So he shoots it at Neza to try and imprison him in the Phantom Zone. They think all is one for a page, but then Neza, who is highly adaptable, starts coming back through the rip into the phantom zone. Um, so since that doesn't work, we realize now the only option is to imprison him in the tomb. So Batman, Supergirl and Cal all look to the, the seal at the exact same time, but Superman is the first to grab it, grab Neza and fly into the tomb at super speed with it locking the door behind him. Um, they all understandably all freak out, start, grieving so on and so forth and then batman notices that something's missing it's the phantom zone projector so using all of their combined powers they find the the small remaining little bit of rip that neza left behind before it dissipates and they start ripping it open and pull superman back through because superman sent himself to the phantom zone um and batman realized that and they all help him pull him free uh, and then the obviously the um, the only remaining uh, thing left there is to uh, uh, in terms of plot now is we're going to figure out what happened to Robin and he's back in the past. Uh, I didn't read the last issue, but uh, the most recent issue, but the epilogue of of the issue after the Green Lantern one is it says years later and it shows uh, Robin over on Lazarus Island. So, alrighty then. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I, primarily, though, I was here for for Dan Moore's art. Like I said, uh, even green the Green Lantern stuff was cool looking. I like the way the energy looked and everything. Honestly, Dan Moore thus far has been one of those artists that I really don't feel I've ever seen anything from him that I I feel he's done anything wrong. So I'm sure I'm sure he's done something wrong, but I'm just too enamored to know. <laughs> Oh, Chad. All righty. So what is next? I reckon it's feedback. It is. Where did... Oh, they're the flags. Didn't I, did I not flag what I needed to... Nah, I'm not seeing it, but then again, you may have gone in after me. Let me do a reload. I see. So, Ken, we'll get to your questions later. Uh, don't worry. I'm sure you know that. <laughs> so what do you want to do? We want to do marks first about the, the Kyle Rayner thing? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, who do you want? To, you want? I'll do. I'll do it. Oh yeah, go ahead. I really enjoyed your comments on the Kyle Rayner episode regarding the recent lack of those interpersonal moments between lanterns and other related characters. I think writers feel the need to create extreme situations and don't take the time to explore the interpersonal relationships that can lead to just as memorable moments. Yeah, a thousand percent. You know, we kind of already said it in that episode, but. Uh, I I do miss that still. Um, I I also wonder how much of it is editorial, just going okay. You either need to a write for the event, write for the big crossover, write for the trade, write to hopefully develop whatever story you're doing into IP. Um, I mean, just whatever. Like I, I don't know how many edicts are on writers these days, or how it works honestly anymore. 
So I'm sure it's a whole lot different than it used to be, but I don't know to what extent. So I don't even know if it's possible anymore. But then again, I read a lot of indie and I know it is possible. Maybe it's just not possible in the big two anymore. But at least for big titles and or people you're supposed to be really paying attention to in their universe. Unless you get a creator like, I guess, Tom King, who gets to do whatever the hell he wants, like Human Target. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, I would say I do think it would be nice to have more of those moments. Uh, It obviously fit so well with the whole Kyle. Just in the Kyle run, it just made sense based on that character and based on how that character was approached from the beginning that you kind of never really lost sight of and of having moments like that and the, the importance of it. Like I think we mentioned nowadays, you only really have quiet moments like that, kind of like as an epilogue to a story or an event, as opposed to having the, having them be important to the story itself, just as a, as a natural beat, as opposed to, oh, you know, we just had this big, big uh, climactic or traumatic event. And now we have to have bring people together to kind of, you know, talk about it and deal with it. It, it isn't just, it isn't just that. So I think I do think we could use more of that in, in storytelling these days in general. Obviously, we know that's not that's not the way things are trending and we're not likely to see it. But nonetheless, it is still it is still true that it would be nice to have more moments like that. Yeah. Uh, Mark sent us another email uh, about, I guess, from you and Dan's conversation on the Miss Marvel episode uh about phase four and when they they dropped the announcements and then a few days later we dropped our own episode talking about those announcements so he asked us what we think well you got an episode about it i hope that answered your question (laughs) yeah Uh, and like i yeah like like i like i said to him i mean the reality is phase once they gave us what they did at comic-con the reality is I think they fleshed out what they wanted to do big picture more. It still didn't really give a whole lot of more cohesion to phase four. I think Feige has said something since that the, that the real, the real underlying message or point to phase four is basically people dealing with dealing with the trauma and the fallout from infinity war and Endgame, which I think as a concept works more, if you just applied it to the TV shows, and it's still not universally applicable. I mean, obviously, WandaVision, uh, clearly, uh, Bucky, you know, you know, in a Falcon and Winter Soldier, yes, Loki, obviously, maybe what if to a certain extent, but it, Hawkeye, yes. But then you start getting into you know, Moon Knight, not really. Ms. Marvel, only because of, I think, because of the hero worship Kamala has for Carol. And even she, even she hulk to a certain extent just because of what it's doing i think honestly what it's doing with the hulk and what it's setting up going forward but but again dealing with the trauma i guess the whole the whole superhero law division thing i guess you can make a case is born out of things potentially how things have changed from infinity war through endgame but i don't think that i don't think that as a unifying theme works in the movies at all because i think there's a lot of movies at least half their movies have very little to do with Tr- the trauma or dealing with events from some some movies do i mean obviously the eternals the whole thing that got the celestial about to be born was the was you know banners you know the hulk's second snap that and then but you have obviously you have black widow which had clearly nothing to do with that because it was a prequel and you have uh i don't think thor really deals with that all that all that much really head on 
And I don't know how much Black Panther is going to be dealing with it head on either. So yeah. I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think that as an as a trying to justify saying, oh, this is this is really the un- underlying theme. Then again, it still wouldn't work anyway on one level because you'd have to you're, if you have to explain it, that means that isn't clear enough. But I still don't think it works. But it's but so I think phase four still has a lot of problems as far as having fitting all these pieces in together in a puzzle that they they seem like they belong in different puzzles. But I still think Black Panther, again, if a lot of the stuff that's supposed to happen in that movie happens, I think at least that sets up phase five well and will leave a good taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I think I think, you know, to expand on I think to expand on what Feige himself said, obviously, this is not a quote or anything, but I, I think I kind of I see what he's saying. It's it's not just uh, it's not just the trauma. It's it's redefining self. Um, beyond what has led up to Thanos. I mean, everything, everything in phase, you know, one, two, whatever, however many numbers it was, three, I guess, um, leads up to, to Thanos. And, and there was, there was sort of this guiding principle all the way through. We were, we were headed somewhere. And I think even if you take that out, out of, of, uh, what happens from our perspective as viewers, but think of it, you know, from their perspective. I think, I think even as, as individual characters, they were all sort of felt they were heading somewhere, maybe in some, in, in some respects. And now that the, the world itself is quite literally changed, that there's no sort of unified threat coming that they sort of sense coming down the line, um, that, all of their own lives have changed so radically um, that they need to adjust and kind of rediscover self that I could see that, but it also almost seems like a cop-out answer. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little late in the game to now as phase four literally has only one project left that hasn't started yet. And, and black Panther as she hulks already two episodes in as we record this. That it seems, yeah, it's a little late in the game now to come out and say, oh, you know what phase four was really about? It spits the bit because of the fact that Black Widow was a prequel. So that blows that to hell other than, oh, the little post credit scene with Yelena is supposed to make 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 that true then when that's not what the movie's about. That's just a throw in at the end. The movie has nothing to do because it takes place before Infinity War. So then why is that part? If that's your underlying theme, then why certainly is, is it in phase four or why is it the first movie? To launch phase four, then, I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's mostly a cop out. I think that, like I said, if you applied it to the TV shows, I think it holds more weight than it, the movies. It's kind of like a 50-50. but I think the TV shows, at least up until the last couple, and even like I said, Captain Marvel, you can, Ms. Marvel, you can get away with it because of the hero worship and and how that affected Kamala and how you know her role going forward in the MCU has been inspired because of that and how, what the world knows of Endgame. But I think it's still, I think overall is pushing it. All right, I'll go ahead and read Lance's email then. Sure. All right, it's titled This Island Earth. He says, hey, Chad and Mark, it's really cool to have inspired an episode of the Lantern Cast, especially one that went so well. This week, my question to you is, have you seen a film from 1955 called This Island Earth? I ask because it's got so much in common with the kinds of Green Lantern stories that would follow it about five years later. The main character, Cal Meacham, is the uh, spitting image of Hal Jordan. There's generally a pretty good resemblance between the rest of the cast and their Lantern counterparts, too. 
While the Metaluans are definitely in brown face, potentially building on the question of whether the viewers should trust, quote unquote, them, I get a kick out of when their skin is turned blue. Even the film's twist is something I could see happening in a story about the DC Universe's oldest politicians. While I haven't looked up anything past how this was apparently in Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, I like to think these two stories are related. What do you think? Could they be related in your minds? Have either of you come across something that gave you similar questions? Where do you go to ask them? Thank you for your time. And as always, keep up the good work, Lance. Uh, I haven't seen it, but apparently Mark has. Yeah, it's been a lot. Like I mentioned to Lance, it's been a long time since I watched this island Earth. And I'm trying to I'm trying. I don't think the first time I saw it was part of that mystery science theater thing, though. I, I it sounds oddly familiar. So I might. So I may have watched that episode, too. But I do think I've watched this and I could be wrong about this. I could I could very well. My own experience maybe from the from the mystery science theater. But I do remember. But one way or the other, I have seen this island earth but i do not remember all that much about the plot of it and i haven't been able to watch it since to to refresh my memory on it unfortunately but i have seen it yes um so everybody knows i'm a huge fan of julie schwartz uh, unfortunately he passed before i even got into comics so um obviously julie is is almost in the same way as the actual creators named on the issue of issues for showcase 22 and beyond Julie is just as responsible for creating Hal Jordan and frankly, the silver age as any of the, the creators on the, on the comics. And I actually, there's a book uh, about Julie um, and it's called man of two worlds, my life in science fiction and comics. And it's uh, Julie Schwartz with Brian M. Thompson. Uh, and it's an autobiography uh, from Harper Entertainment. And it's a great book. It's been a while since I've read it. So don't expect me to be pulling any quotes, but I do recommend you guys do it uh, to uh, if you're a Lantern fan. You should read this because, like I said, Julie is just as important as the as the names on the page for those issues. Um, that being said, I can't remember if it was this book or maybe even Jackie Nodell or I, somewhere I heard that one of the um in terms of science fiction and tropes and story ideas that sort of thing that green lantern was actually in not in not 100% but in some ways inspired by a series of novels called the lensman series and the lensman series was uh from uh edward elmer doc smith um and we know that Showcase 22 came out in 1959. This series came out all, all of it before 1959. The first book in 1948, the second in 1950, uh, another in 1950, another in 1951, another in 1953, and another in 1954. Uh, it was so popular that obviously this is after Showcase 22, but it was so popular as a series that it was a runner-up for the Hugo Award in 1966 for best all-time series, only losing to a series by Isaac Asimov, uh, which I believe is the guy who did do Android's Dream of of Electric Sheep or whatever. So yes, um, I pulled up the Wikipedia. It's a long Wikipedia, guys. So you go read it yourself, but I will read one paragraph Wait. and. 
Before you do uh, that, that was Philip K. Dick who did do Androids Dream of Electric. Who am I Sheep. thinking of? At- you're thinking of well, you're thinking of the, the the whole laws of robotics and everything with Asimov, I believe. Oh yes, the the the, the three laws of robotics. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so the paragraph from the Wikipedia, the second book, First Lensman, concerns the early early formation of the Galactic Patrol and the First Lens, given to First Lensman Virgil Sams of Earth. Sams and Roderick. Uh, Kinnison are members of the two breeding lines as they are both natural leaders, intelligent, forceful, and capable. The Arisons make it known that if Sam's the head of the Triplanetary Service visits the planetary system, he will be given the tool he needs to build the Galactic Patrol. That tool is the lens. The Arisons further promise him that no entity unworthy of the lens will ever be permitted to wear it but that he and his successors will have to discover for themselves most of its abilities. The lens gives its wearer a variety of mental capabilities, including those needed to enforce the law on alien planets and to bridge the communication gap between different life forms. It can provide mind reading and telepathic abilities. It cannot be worn by anyone other than its owner will kill any other wearer, And even a brief touch is extremely painful. There's a whole lot more information over there, but I'm not going to read an entire Wikipedia page to you guys. If I, I know I didn't per, pull the term lensman out of my ass. So reading that paragraph, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a pretty good indication that there's a there's it's certainly it's very likely to have at least influenced <laughs> the creative process. Yeah, and the fact that the entire novel series was out a good five years before Showcase 22 ever hit, uh, and it was so, apparently so popular that years later it was uh, nominated for Best All-Time Series. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised of the uh, social impact of the time of a series of the caliber of uh, the Lensman series. Uh, uh, the, my only experience with Lensman, uh, there were actually some comics published in the early nineties. Um, you can find those sort of, if, if you, if, if a place you go to has enough back issue bins that you run across random comics you've never heard of in your life, you're probably likely to find a few issues of Lensman in there. But of course you can also go try and find the books because I'm assuming they're still pretty good to this day. And I think there's an audiobook series too for it. That's it. I don't remember where I heard about Lensman. Still interesting. We'll have to talk about them one day on the show, but only if we can get something out of it. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Let's do Shane. Uh, Shane was responding to our latest episode. He was coming up to you, Chad. <laughs> uh, I don't see why a modern ad- uh, should be adaptation of couldn't take the basics of John's origin story and use them today. How was in this movie anyway, is John's predecessor. So there's no reason why the story couldn't have been closer to the original. Leave out the seventies info. I mean, excuse me, the seventies Afro and jive talk, but have him chosen by the guardians as the backup who has to step up when Hal disappears. That makes the ending doubly tragic for both Oliver and John. If they both lose a friend and colleague, of course, that's not going to solve the many, many problems I have with this movie. But I do think that the essential elements of John's origin still work just fine. 
one of my problems is that when the writers had to give Hal, John Hal's origin mixed with a bit of Kyle's and had to give him Hal's arch enemy and Hal's best friend, that it just speaks of how shallow a character John Stewart must be. Was none of his unique to the character comic book history worth adapting? I didn't like this movie, as I'm sure you can tell. Even if I look at look at it as sort of an animated Elseworlds, it feels like characters are wasted and badly written. And we end up with a Green Lantern movie that really doesn't showcase the vast, expansive universe of characters in places that the franchise contains. Most of the potential of the Green Lantern concept is wasted. In the end, John is just another unremarkable solo superhero on Earth rather than an intergalactic peacekeeper in a universe of wonders. His universe of possibilities has been made very small. Hey, your thoughts are your thoughts, Shane. I don't disagree with anything you say in there. What I'm, what I'm, my, my only problem is when people start going after this movie simply because it's somebody other than Hal or they feel Hal is being intentionally maligned or something like that. And it's not even, you know, don't even try watching it. You know, the, let's boycott the movie before it even comes out sort of a thing. That approach I have problems with. It, your approach of you watched this and you have thoughts and your thoughts are they could have done this. They could have done this. Not, damn it, it's not how. Screw you. Great. I, if you negatively think about it and you're not, you're not a fan of it, then I, I, you're entitled to your opinion. And honestly, some of those points I said in the episode, I agree with you on some of them. So uh, I just liked it. I didn't like it as much as some people, but I definitely didn't. uh, I definitely didn't not like it as much as others. So I'm sort of in the middle. It was, uh, it's not my favorite, but you know, it was kind of there for the ride. Yeah, I, I I do get a lot of I think of most of what Shane says makes a lot of sense, actually. I mean, they one way or the other, they could have structured it more that correction. They could have if they wanted to, they could have stuck more with John's traditional origin that either they were expanding the core and they were picking you know, now two members from each sector. And and he was a most worthy success uh, second for that sector or that. Yes, they've. They need backups trained just in case something happens to the active Green Lantern and then something does happen to the active Green Lantern. And then it gets I do think that part of John's origin or a modification, something along in the spirit of the origin, they could they could have done that. They did do a whole lot. They did. They, they took a little bit of his real origin because he was chosen in particular by himself. Uh, they threw in a lot of the Hal origin, alien crashing to Earth, dies, ring finds him. and very small, small bit of, you know, it's a small bit of Kyle because of the fact that uh, actually there was another part of Kyle's origin. That just, I was thinking about this today. That's why my mind is is, is trying to pull out the information. Yeah, don't I'm, worry. We'll circle back around. To yeah. That. Obviously, besides the fact that it, an, an individual guardian comes to Earth, to hand a power ring to one per, to a person, regardless, that is an element of Kyle's origin. The Kyle wasn't picked on purpose, even though they try to kind of ret, try to retcon that in the new, new Guardians run. We know the real origin of Kyle that even if he wanted to exclude the, oh, yeah, we tried guy first and he flipped us the bird, that the reality is Ganthet. It was kind of like luck of the draw. He was running out of power. He, he was the best. He was pretty much the <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not picking up on horrible vibes off this dude here. Take the ring. <laughs> Wasn't the phrase you'll do? Yes, you'll you'll have or you'll have to do or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was literally, ch- you know, 
he in the original that was that because and again it's a retcon because that was the whole point of that run it was like peter parker with the power ring he was not he was not inherently worthy or inherently or chosen because of any great skill it was like luck right place right time and, and that's how he became a green lantern so that so that element is not really here because it's not luck of the draw it's just more that you had an individual you had an in, that i i got what i was thinking the individual an individual garden guardian comes to earth and the fact that the ring that he gets is Hal's ring. That's the, that's the John gets Hal's ring. Those are the two real elements of Kyle's origin that are, that are, that are in this. But the whole idea, cause uh, I think, I think Ken was the one who mentioned this, like in Facebook about from, you know, he hasn't seen the movie, but he heard that it's, you know, it's almost like a beat by beat for Kyle. It's like, no, it's, it's not because, because, because in this, you know, how, how doesn't even turn quote unquote evil and until always already wiped out. So he's not, I have it up right here. Cause I was intending to read it. Cause it, you want me to read it real quick? What Ken said? Sure. I'm waiting till it comes out on HBO, but why did you guys keep saying this book took from Hal's origin? From what I've heard, it's a one-to-one ripoff of Kyle's origin. The last GL recruited by Ganthet after Hal turns evil. That doesn't sound like Hal's origin at all. Even the Ranthanagar war plot was technically a Kyle story. Also, just because John's origin could be hard to adapt doesn't mean that he doesn't have any storylines they could have easily used instead of stealing stories from other lanterns. They just released the 50th anniversary collection for John. There was nothing there they could have used. It feels more insulting to John than anything else. Which is kind of what Shane just talked about. That Shane kind of mentioned that. It's like, it, in a way, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's a valid point. You're not speaking highly of your character, of John Stewart, if you can't delve into his background and find one story that's uniquely John Stewart to tell without barring a little bit from this and barring a little bit from that. And, yeah, you're using Hal's arch villain and going back to what what Ken said that, you know, again, the Hal turning. Well, how does Hal doesn't turn evil to most of the shit's already gone down yeah. in, in this? I mean. So we there's we have no way of knowing because again this there's so much Ganthet literally says almost nothing of relevance and then drops dead that we have no idea what Ganthet knows at this point and what he doesn't know. But we know Hal sends the ring away from Sinestro to go to to go to Oa. However, that's where it ends up, whether he initially where he specifically tells the ring to go to Oa or not, or he just he probably does. But the point but Ganthet gets the ring and he's coming to Earth. Why he's why John Stewart is so is we never really get a great explanation in this movie either of why he's John Stewart is chosen, why this ring is for John Stewart and why he's coming to find John. That's kind of a half. That's kind of half ass too, but always destruction and everything. Hal has really no hand in that. So there's no reason to believe Ganset is coming to earth to give the last powering to somebody because Hal, their greatest champion turned evil. That there's no reason to believe that because of, of the chain of events in the story. So that that's a big change from Kyle from from Kyle's origin too. So there are again there's there's elements we could do check boxes of how things that are things that are in Hal's origin are they present here check things are in Kyle's check things are in John's. I think there are a lot there there's a healthy amount of check boxes for for Hal. There's some from Kyle. There's some from John. But in the at the end of the day, when you see the movie, can you I think you'll understand more why it's not. I mean, I mean, they show I think they showed maybe some in the in the trailers that may have shown like the alley scenes. Well, the alley has nothing to do with John's origin. It implies 
If you, if they showed scenes, it implies, oh, he's going to get a ring in an alley, just like Kyle. Has nothing to do with it. He doesn't get the ring in the alley. That's just setting the stage of giving you background on who the character is and his PTSD. But it has absolutely nothing to do with when where he gets the ring. Now, yes, like we joked when we when we recorded the episode, if John took a little bit longer in getting home, then maybe Ganthe would have crash landed and given it to him in an alley. But that's not what happened. So that part isn't there. Um, John is chosen specifically, which Kyle was not originally. And it's it is Hal's ring that is a common out that's a common thread. But but the reason the reason why Ganthet is giving John that ring, we don't know how it could be similar to how why Kyle got his. We don't know because there's so many questions that are never answered about yeah. any of this. So it's possible. Yes, it could be more like Kyle's than we thought if for some reason Ganthet knew the truth and was able to figure things out. But again, since and somehow he sensed Hal being corrupted by, you know, something like that. But again, Hal wasn't responsible for destroying Owa and the Guardians in this. So it's it's not, there's a lot of things. It's not even a good representation of Emerald Twilight. It's almost more of a repre- a good, a, a decent setup for a zero hour concept, but it's not even done well for that either. So Yeah. And that's going to do it. Ken, we got, uh, we got your email, but uh, we'll, we'll cover that when we have the time to get to all of those questions. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a few, a few moments here. Mark, do you want to talk about uh, briefly about those videos you and I just posted on their, our YouTube channel? We have been, we have been posting more and this isn't a shot. This is just the reality. Less, less uh, like card unboxings, but that's because there's been less stuff too, but more, a pile of loot openings, more action figure discussions. That's why I created a new sec, a new category for action figures for us. I think so. I po- I posted one comparing the three parallax figures that have been done, the three full scale Hal Jordan parallax figures. It was obviously inspired heavily by the new McFarlane gold label Hal, which by itself does kind of suck if you don't. Again, if you don't, if you don't modify it, if you don't customize it. It's really hard to look at. I think if you do customize it, you can use. I I look at mine. It's like okay, other than the little the chest, the centerpiece of his armor being raised, and the, and the, the the pauldrons, the shoulder pads being a little too small. It's not that bad, even with the dull green. Now that I yeah. now that I fixed the hair, but but I compare that the Total Justice Parallax and the DC Direct Green Lantern Rebirth Parallax. And why don't you tell them what you what your video was about, Chad? Uh, well, first of all, I, I, I went hunting a weekend, a week. Was it, was it just last weekend? I guess it was. I think it was, it was, it was pretty soon after I, I think I, I told you that I got mine or mine was coming. Yeah. I went to three different Walmarts. The first had neither. The second had the new superpowers line that McFarland is doing with the John Stewart figure. They, I don't know. It's been so long since I worked in retail. What are those? What are those uh, pallet sort of things that come where like they're not meant to go on the shelves? You're just supposed to sort of drop the pallet in the middle of the aisle and it's already a built up display for whatever it is you're selling. Oh, you mean like the dumps and things like that? Yeah. So there's a whole superpowers dump that that happens. And um, I saw the superpowers one and I, I picked up a, the John Stewart. I was very tempted to get my nephew a Superman figure along because they they're doing uh they also have a couple of the superpowers vehicles. So they have Superman's like, I, I hesitate to say plane. It's like a spaceship, I guess. Um, but for some reason they say 12 and up. So I don't know. 
maybe there's a small component that he could choke on that. Who knows? Um, so I avoided getting that. But then at the third location, I hit pay dirt because uh, I was on my way home. I stopped uh, at another Walmart and I picked uh, I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot because I was getting a couple more Pokemon cards because that's who I am these days. Um, and I was like, I'll go over there. So I checked and lo and behold, uh, amidst the other DC Universe figures, a lone gold label parallax was sitting there. So I, I was able to get both items, but uh, my speaking of pile of loot, my pile of loot from Big Bad Toy Store arrived with my McFarlane line of uh, the Lantern figures. I got all four: Kyle, uh, Black Lantern, Superman, uh, Batman, and Batman, Black Lantern, Batman, and uh, Deathstorm, which with the build a figure Atrocitus. And I unboxed and reviewed all five figures. I, I put together the Atrocitus uh, on the video as well and reviewed that too. I had a lot of fun with it. Honestly, uh, and I said it in the video, I think my least favorite is the Superman figure because the molding on the the symbol looks looks like somebody tr- cut, did it custom. Like there's nothing wrong with custom figures, but usually you can tell they're a custom figure because it's not like pristine work. And I can sort of I can sort of get that vibe from the chest side of Black Lantern Superman. Black Lantern Batman is my next not favorite because Honestly, but it, honestly, it's not the fault of the figure. I just don't like it's Black Lantern, quote unquote, Batman, you know, for story reasons. I don't really care. Uh, Kyle, obviously, we have the coloring issue with him. Uh, but otherwise, there's lots of actual texture on that figure, which is kind of cool. And then but obviously, my number one is Death Storm. There's so much there's so much on that figure. Uh, I forget. Have you seen? Do you still have these? Did you get any of these figures? Yes, they will be in. I will have a pile of loot that'll that'll be shipping relatively soon, and the Kyle and and Kyle Deathstorm are in that pile of loot. The dead Doctor Strange pop, the Obi Wan pop from um, the series, but Batrocitus, which I know you're getting too. Uh, yeah, I'll and, be getting the Necron and the Batrocitus and reviewing them for our, our channel. So yeah, and I'm supposed to. And the Darth Vader pop from the Obi Wan show and the Don Corleone pop are all supposed to arrive. And those last two are supposed to arrive any minute. Once they do, then I'll ship my pile of loot and I will probably do an unboxing video on that. I won't be, I won't do the, I won't, I don't know if I'm going to open any of the figures, but I won't open any of the DC, the, the, the DC multiverse figures because I know you're doing those, but yeah, the DC, the, the Death Storm one is fantastic. And I did, and I sort of mentioned it in the video, but I didn't. This is not Black Lantern Firestorm. This is Death Storm. Those are two different characters. Um, and also two different designs because in Blackest Night, we had the more traditional Firestorm look with the puffy sleeves and everything. And the puffy sleeves are like gray and things. Whereas Deathstorm looks just like you see him on this figure. Uh, and what even more gives this away is that his accessory is a silver or whatever, silverish power battery. Deathstorm's goal in Brightest Day, one of his mission from, uh, the anti-monitor, was to go get the White Lantern power battery. So that is actually the supposed to be the White Lantern power battery, you know, kind of being corrupted by his energy or whatever that Deathstorm is holding. So this is this is brightest day Deathstorm. Uh, so this I, I really like the figure. It's based off of one of my favorite pieces of art of Deathstorm during Brightest Day. So it's a hundred percent win for me across the board. Uh, and the Atrocitus figure is awesome too. I just don't know if I like how they did his his shoulder pad piece. 
and you watch because you said it can't it's there's no way to secure it yeah there's there's no it, it just sort of sits there but it's rubbery so it it kind of sticks there i guess but it it, it there's nothing to like kind of lock it into place or connect it or anything it just sort of rests there and you hope it becomes it doesn't become unstuck so interesting and of course all all, all i'll be able to do is build the bust since i i Luckily, the Kyle and the Deathstorm figure are enough to build like his upper body and his head and his arms and stuff like that. It's just, but yeah, I'm ever putting a build a figure together, actually. Yeah, I have a few. I mean, I have the, I have some of the Mattel ones. I have the, I have the, the anti monitor. I have uh, Kilowog who broke. I think I told, I think I might have told you that. I know I told Jim that he fell one, he fell one day and he shattered. So literally all I have left is a bust of Kilowog is like his, his his waist area just completely shattered, so it's not like you could even try to glue it back together. It was in too many pieces. And I think a Red Hulk. I got Red Hulk from the Marvel Legends line a long time ago. Well, probably over probably over ten years ago. I have that one. Really, really good, really comic comic accurate. And then I want to say the I think the Ar, I think the Arkillo I have open is a, is a build a figure. It's, I don't think that's the DC Direct one. I think that's the Mattel one. So they're kind of fun, for sure. I I enjoy. It. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna keep Parallax in the box. I, I'm still probably gonna unbox Necron and uh, and Ventrositus and just put them on the same shelf with the other the other figures that I unboxed in that video too. I don't know why my mind was doing that, but I I decided I'm not taking Parallax out of the box. It's it's a tough call because again, I mean, it's if you look at to me again if you just especially now that I've customized it if you just look at him and his and the way they the way they give him to you with the black with the light black hair and he's got a little bit of gray in the back of his head but but it's not done well that if you just it's really hard to just I know some people complain about the costume more but to me the, the and some people complain about the face sculpt too that it doesn't really look like Hal which is a valid point but I think I think a lot of the sins with that figure can be at least erased if you do customize the hair and you give them the gray temples and the, and everything else. I think it does. It becomes a passable, passable parallax figure. Is it a great likeness? Is it is it what we should have gotten if they were going to attempt to do a parallax figure? Should they at least put made more of an attempt to make it look like parallax has always appeared instead of like pulling out of left field? Yeah, they should have. But I do think if you take the time and do and the good thing is you don't have to do a lot of customizing to make that figure at least passable. And, but yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I looked again at a curiosity last weekend to see if there was a, if I could find one, they had a bunch, they had a bunch of the gold label ones. And I think that, and I did see that at, by the way, at target, I think I did see that Martian Manhunter one you mentioned. That's but pretty the, cool. Yeah, but the reality is, no, I didn't see, I didn't see any parallax figures. I'm going to try to keep looking because I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind getting, getting another one. But the reality is, yeah, circling back around, those are, those are what our videos have been about lately. And obviously, uh, at least from a post perspective, we've gotten a lot. People, people seem to be interested in those a little bit more than some of the other videos. Even though people, it seems like at least according to Facebook, people really did like, or we well. Like is a strong word. People were interested <laughs> in, in our review of uh, the John Stewart movie. Yeah, for sure. That was, that's it. engagement's always great too. Yes. Speaking speaking of engagement, I won't go give a blow by blow, blow or read anything. But I got into another argument with Bleeding Cool today. 
Yeah, but I could. I tried to look at the thread, but I didn't. I could. Everything I clicked on, I couldn't see any any that any of the comments go other than go their to, original post. Go to my Facebook page. Uh, I I screenshot the whole thing. Okay, so I, I because I only saw one thing that you screenshot it. Yeah, well, the, the the rest of it is in a comment below. Yeah. Oh, let me go take a look. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, go ahead. but uh, yeah, basically there's so for you, those of you unaware, just uh, I'm not going to read it again, but the plot of it, basically Batman Fortress came out in uh, number four. Uh, and that's the one that has that variant cover of, of uh, Green Lantern Squirrel that we all thought was badge. It's not badge. Um, I won't spoil that part either, but it's not badge and it's not chip. But that prompted Rich Johnston, who founded Bleeding Cool and all that. Uh, to par- post an article about about it uh, and then reference Chip. And in his article, he posted a photo of Badge, that photo of Badge when he shows up after Simon gets the ring, saying, you're not Hal Jordan. And in he captions that photo as Chip. So I pointed it out to him on Twitter, and he uh, didn't react the way I thought he was. I thought, I thought he would just react and go, oh, okay, thanks for the correction. Uh, uh, I'll, you know, article updated. I, I will read one sentence. Oh, that's just an illustration. I don't think it matters that much for the story. Do you? So um, rather than just accepting that he captioned something wrong on his, you know, leading website or whatever, he just stuck to his guns and says, you know what? My, my point was made in my article. So accuracy be damned, which really tells you all you really need to know and ever needed to know about bleeding cool. So. Again, if you want to look at that, go on our Twitter. It happened today, August 25th. I don't know why I waste my time, but somehow I end up doing this every year or every other year with Bleeding Cool. But, uh, yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, you would think at the very least you'd you'd want to get things right. So even if you don't personally think it's overly important, but you but you, but you made a mistake, at least, yeah do the mea culpa and move on as opposed to say, Oh, it really doesn't matter. Does it? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, bleeding cool is just clickbait anyways, and always has been. So, and this just further proves the point. All they care about is I made my point in my article accuracy be damned. And that's from the founder himself of bleeding cool, which by the way, I looked up their origin. We're older than bleeding cool. Well, I guess that's something. <laughs> <laughs> We're older than Spotify. We're older than Bleeding Cool. When did Joe Rogan start podcasting? I bet we're older than any of Joe Rogan's podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we probably probably are. I mean, he, he he was done with Fear Factor by then, that's for sure. <laughs> Blink. Which used to, which actually, I remember watching that show. That was somewhat amusing back in the Joe day. Joe Rogan's podcast released at the end of 20, 2009. We're also oh, so, older than <laughs> older than Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but we don't get we don't get the we don't get the views and the listen. So yeah, I know. I guess I that know. doesn't mean all that much, does it? <laughs> I know. Uh, but that's it. Uh, do we want to tell them what's up next since it's all planned out and everything? No. Okay. Just in case. All right, guys. Other than that, I guess we'll talk to you later. If people want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast to track us down there. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708-LANTERN. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And if you still want our Discord, 
Again, lanterncast at gmail.com, and we will send that to you. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.